cliffcentral.com. Hello and thank you for tuning in to Leadership Books Unpegged with Super Lead. Consider this. Have you ever wanted to read more business and leadership books, but you simply don't have the time? Imagine you could read a book per week. How awesome will that be? A lot of us have these demanding jobs. We have these countless responsibilities. So our bookshelves end up with more books we intend to read than those we have actually read. My name is Manda Chiflaro. I'm the CEO at Superlead, which is a strategy consulting and leadership coaching organization. And on this show, we deep dive into a leadership topic, which we anchor in one book that we feature per, week, per episode. And we share actionable insights to advance your leadership excellence. And we are proudly sponsored by Holland Life Solutions. I'm joined here in studio by my co-host, Nobile Ngobo, who is a director at Alpha International. Nobile, welcome to today's show. Hi, Amanda. It's good to be back. Fantastic. So, so today we've got this, you know, it's like, uh, we're unpacking a book by one of like my favorite, favorite authors and really just, just a legend. Um, but before we do that, um, I, I've got the, I'm super thrilled to, to sort of announce to, to our listeners today, um, uh, our upcoming leadership summit. Yeah. Oh, I mean, we've been working in the background, uh, for, for this for, for a number of months now. Um, and, um, really, uh, chuffed to, to say that on the 17th of September, we have a, um, our annual super lead leadership summit. And um, some of you who have attended these summits, you know, it's, um, it's just such an, a life-changing event. You know, you get to really be inspired by, by like such fresh, um, content, uh, from the trailblazers that we'll announce in just a moment. And, uh, you get to connect and network. And, um, you also have, you get to have so much of fun because we have got comedy, we got music, we got all kinds of, um, of activities that happen on the day. Yeah, it's such a celebration of amazing uh, leaders, both South African and international as well. It's also really inspiring that no matter what industry or sphere of influence you have, there's something from every story, every yeah. talk that you can take away. And also, credit to the Super League team, you also experience the best hospitality <laughs> at the event. So it'll be a good day, no matter what. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And we're taking it much, much bigger this time. Um, we um, we are going to Mosaic Lifestyle Theater. Ooh. Um, uh, the last one we were at at Houghton Hotel. Uh, this one is is, uh, is I mean the size of the venue is five times the one we had in April. Wow! So, so get your tickets early. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. it's gonna fill up <laughs> <laughs> quickly. Because we've got um, we've got for instance some of the speakers include Dr. Pumzile Mlambunuka. Um, you know, some of you will know she was a deputy president here in South Africa. Uh, she's an incoming. Um, Chancellor at UJ. Uh, she's just, the, you know, we can spend the whole episode just talking about it. Absolutely phenomenal. And we have got coach Pizzo Musiman, right? Who is just a legendary football manager. Uh, has done incredibly well for Sundowns and Al Hali. Um, just a loved, um, coach in, in, in the continent. We've got Bruce Whitfield, um, who's, uh, just an award winning journalist. He hosts the money show on 702 and Cape Talk and, and, and more, but, um, we'll continue to sort of give you an update on these, um, on the speakers, um, 
Uh, but we have to get into today's show. Uh, oh, and last thing is that, hey, you can, you need to get your ticket on Quicket. Otherwise, um, otherwise, otherwise tickets are selling fast. Yeah. I, I must, I must uh, confess this one. So, and also just to let you all know that, you know, it, it, it might be too late if you, if you take forever to buy tickets. <laughs> um, we built our website, our first website, um, the way back, I think three years back before we, we, I, I even started full time in the business. And, um, and this last two days, uh, the, the website, the website collapsed, right? <laughs> because of all the traffic. <laughs> it was the traffic. Yeah. Cause everyone was clicking through. Cause you were giving, <laughs> dropping so many hints. You were like, pizza was a man. was like clicking to see if they can book their ticket quickly. So these people call me and say, Hey, we can't access the website. And I call our tech guys. It turns out, you know, our, Package when we bought it back then, you know, we didn't think about, about the scale now. <laughs> anyway, that, that, that's, um, that's, amazing. That's our story to say, uh, do your best and get your tickets, uh, as soon as possible. We have got, uh, I mean, we're revealing a speaker at a time, right? Yeah. And, but like, I'm sitting like, kind of like, can I just reveal another one? So yeah. each day we kind of bring in a, a new speaker. And I think it's great if people, you know, from the, the last one we attended, I, I went with a colleague and the, when we left, we thought, oh, we wish we had brought the whole team yeah. it's a great thing to take your your whole team along as well it's a great um sort of off, uh, morning and afternoon that yeah. the whole team can take something away and you can have a lot to unpack um in the months ahead absolutely all right let's get into today's book yes we are doing as manda said one of his favorite authors <laughs> rethinking competitive advantage by ram sharan Oh, this, this is, uh, you know, this needs like four episodes on, 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 on just on its own. So Ram Sharan, like just my huge hero, um, he's written 30 books in the field of leadership management strategy. Um, professor at Harvard, just a guru. He's well known for his like just groundbreaking book in execution. Um, and, and almost like a leader in that, in that kind of space to thinking about execution. Cause largely most of them, of the sort of business school work was based on a strategy design and the Potter's five forces and, and, and all of that stuff. And, and, you know, he kind of said, Hey, most leaders in the day to day, they battle more with execution than mm-hmm. with the design. Um, and, uh, he's well known for, for that book execution, which he co-authored with a colleague. But for today's conversation, he, he wrote a book called rethinking competitive advantage. Hmm. And in his observation, he's kind of seen that um oh that competitive advantage in the you know it's different now in the digital age um back in the days um you know like you have a company if it's got like you know big let's say distribution channel or if it's got you know um Certain assets, you know, that was like your competitive advantage. Or uh, you've got this big brand, for instance, or you've got this set of resources. Uh, then we'll say you have this competitive advantage. And he's kind of saying he's noticing, and I think most leaders will agree that in this new digital age, the, the elements that help you win are different. There are some that are still common, like having a, a good brand and reputation and, you know, having, you know, a great team. Some of those elements are still, are still relevant, mm-hmm. but there are new elements. He calls them six rules that you need to have, um, in order to win in this new digital age, if it were. 
Mm-hmm. And so he lays out sort of why we have to rethink what competitive advantage is in uh, this new, this day and age, in the digital age. <laughs> yes. And, and I mean, it's largely because most of the companies, I don't think you can go to any company that's not talking digital in yeah. some way or yeah. form, right? Um, you're finding that, you know, companies are hiring a chief digital officers, yeah. right? <laughs> You've yes. seen a lot of these now. Um, and you know, they're kind of building some data analytics com- uh, departments. Um, I was engaging with a, with a company, I think last week or this week, I can't remember, but, um, and, and you know, I like to just kind of just say, Hey, just introduce yourself and, and, and your titles. The number of titles I was hearing, I'm thinking, what is that? Like, what do you really do? There's these yeah. fancy, fancy titles. Um, and what's, what's said, um, is that most companies and most leaders have, uh, have done all this patchwork around digital. Mm. And, and most of the companies are not succeeding as yet because they, you know, they, they change their job titles. You know, every other job title now has a digital in it in one way or the other mm. departments are changing. Then they bring in a chief uh, digital officer who works in the periphery, maybe, you know, launches a, a Bought, mm-hmm. um, or who, who, you know, who kind of converts the, the, the sales process and kind of be able to enable website by buying via a website. Um, and, and he has, uh, Ramsharan, he has studied the truly digital born companies and say, what do they do differently that these traditional companies that are doing this patchwork of digital and kind of just plastering and, and, you know, um, and, and, you know, having the right job titles. Um, what can they do differently in mm-hmm. order to win in this digital age? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the tips are not just for, um, sort of, Digital companies, but also for traditional companies, um, how they can use the, the sort of skills and the tools outlined in these sort of big examples that he's laid out, um, for them to be able to grow in the digital age. Absolutely. And that's a good point, right? So it's both for traditional companies. Mm. And if you're running a company today of any sort, right? If, I mean, he, he makes some big claims, right? Um, that, you know, um, these, the trend that the, tech, the sort of the broad direction of technological advancements that's not stopping there will be like there will be misfires of like a certain you know innovation is big now or whatever and, mm. and some people mm. will fall into the traps and and all of that but if you're running a company today and you're not you know transforming to take advantage of of sort of this uh, this new digital capability and the new ways of running the business, you you are destined for for a decline and potentially in the next uh, couple of years, uh, you know you might not your business might not exist. Mm, yeah. And, and if you lead a team uh, and if you lead a company, and uh, and you're still holding on to what is and you're not really putting in the hard work to transform the organization, um, you know essentially. You are leading it to, to its final destination, which might not, uh, be in, which might be in, in few years time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So where should we dive in? So, so to dive in, he, he kind of start by saying, let's just take, let's just talk about the roadblocks before we go into like, <laughs> what, like the rules are. what the rules are and how you must play. It's, it's great for you to know that the, you have to let go of some assumptions and beliefs that, that will, that might hold you back. Um, 
And uh, because most people like, you know, my business is running well. So, you know, don't, uh, don't let's, let's not fix it if it's not broken. Yeah. Um, so a couple of them is, you know, most companies and leaders are still over reliant on outdated theories, right? Um, you know, we still see competition as, as in a narrow sense, right? Mm. If I'm in a, um, if I'm in a cell phone uh, business, you know, I still see, you know, Samsung versus Apple versus mm. this one. Uh, if I'm in a, say, telco, I'm seeing, I'm seeing MTN and Vodacom and Celsi. So most of us are still seeing that, that way of measuring up with our competitor. Uh, we, we, most companies, he says as a roadblock, still do one of those where they study the competition for weeks and months and they, they do detailed planning and then, they land a strategy, uh, and then by the time they announce it, it's, it's whatever they started with in the analysis is already outdated. Mm. Um, uh, so, so that's a big one to kind of say you wanna sort of be aware that the way you're kind of running might not work in this new digital age. Yeah, amazing. And 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 the, and, and and just to build on that is you know. It's, it's not also enough to say we're building a digital capability just on the side. Yes. Right? Digital has to be at the core oh, of the company. Yeah. Um, so, so that's, that's one. Uh, the second one maybe worth, um, highlighting is that the belief in mass marketing and segmentation. Mm, is, is unpack that. It's a roadblock. Yeah. Um, he's, um, you know, over the years, I think in dec, in the past decades, you know, companies will, uh, companies will sort of say have a, a mass marketing approach, uh, to, to kind of launching products. Yeah. Um, he's even saying to even segment, uh, to say, oh, we've got, uh, you know, the, the lower end segment or the middle segment or the mm-hmm. higher end segment. That's old news. That's like, you know, 19th, 20th century way of thinking as a yeah. leader for today. Um, the, com- the companies win by having a segment of one, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which means you leverage the digital and, ad- and technological advances to be able to design, sell, um, and service each customer as if they are the only customer. Okay. And I mean, the big words we like to use in consulting and, and academia is, uh, it's, it's hyper personalization. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, the idea of mass marketing and segmentation, um, uh, you know, he, he argues that's, uh, that's, that's a case for, 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 for no, no longer for relevant for the digital age. That's really good. One of the other roadblocks he talks about is, um, a blind spot when it comes to customers. Yeah. yeah. So not knowing yes. who you're serving. Yes, yes. So most companies like, you know, let's, let's take a, let's take a Coca-Cola for instance, you know, mm-hmm. they, they design their, their beverages and they, manuf- they, they've got their beverages and then there's middle people who then kind of sell, right? Um, and they're comfortable not knowing exactly what's happening at the front end, exactly what customers are doing, um, and how they're consuming this. Um, he's kind of saying that approach to being blind to the final, um, customer, that's a, a massive roadblock mm. to win in this digital age, even though your products are serviced by a middle, middle man or, mm. or, or, or any kind of brokerage, um, 
capability, you have to still know exactly the details of, of, uh, of how your, your customers are consuming your products. Yeah. Great. Um, and, and most companies aren't geared that way, right? We mm. just, we just get this, uh, this dashboard based on, on, on what the middle, uh, person is doing. Yes. Even if you, I don't know if I'm understanding it, uh, well, but if you, even if you're sort of B2B, you have to really know. Yeah. See, so you have to know who like the the, the, the end C. customer is. Yeah. yeah, I mean your your organization is a perfect example, Mm-mm. right? You sort of exist to serve um, uh, this this uh, this church organizations that then serves the members. Yeah, if you just get comfortable by just having a good relationship with the churches you serve, yeah. and not exactly how the Customers and customers are consuming product. He's kind of saying that's that's not good enough. Mm, mm, mm. Really good, really good. Any other roadblocks before we move on uh, to the rule? The last one is, is like you know acceptance of existing boundaries, right? Mm. To uh, you know we over the years um, we have always categorized companies by industries. I mean it makes for good. Uh, comparisons it makes for for you know us to be able to understand that there's telecommunications mm-hmm. there's uh there's um there is i don't know transport um organizations there's this and that he's kind of saying you wanna challenge the boundaries that have originally been set um over the years because mm-hmm. to win in this digital age you need to think beyond yeah. the current boundaries yeah yeah, I think we can just do those ones for now. That's really good. But there are other roadblocks he lays out. Um, so when you pick up the book, you can see, see them because they're also all really interesting and in sort of making sure that we are innovative in our thinking. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So the rules that he lays out. Yeah. This is, this is the core of the book, really. Uh, the one is that, um, a personalized customer experience is key to exponential growth. Um, so in in the roadblocks, he started challenging the idea of mass marketing yeah. uh, and segmentation, um, and here he's arguing for personalization in the in this digital age is your key to yeah. winning and to growing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's rule number one. And what we'll do for the rest of the for the rest of the show, we'll unpack each of these in in its in its finest of detail, time allowing. So number one, personal uh, personalized customer experience. Number two, algorithm and data are essential weapons, right? Um, you can imagine uh, competing without weapons. That's that that, that would be great. Um, the third one is a company does not compete, but its ecosystem does, right? A company doesn't compete; its ecosystem does. The the, the fourth one is language. Uh, I, I was laughing reading through this. He says money making mm-hmm. is geared for huge cash generation, not earnings per share. And the new law of increasing returns, um, funders understand the, the difference. Mm-hmm. So in essence, most companies are largely driven by this quarterly updates of earnings per share. Yeah. Um, you know, this 12% increase, uh, in earnings per share, et cetera, et cetera, driven by that. And that's been a dominant 
kind of like theory uh, mm. over the over the management theory over the years, and he's kind of saying no, 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 no. The it, it's about thinking differently about cash and not so much earnings uh, per share, which he unpacks um, in proper detail. The fifth one and the sixth one, which I think we'll probably spend more time on, given the the nature of the show, he says people, culture, and work design form a social engine that drives innovation and execution. Uh, personalized for each customer. In essence, these, cu- these digital sort of, these companies that are winning in the digital age, they have found a formula of creating a social engine and, and the people and the work culture that works for them. Um, and most of what we have with the bureaucracies, et cetera, et cetera, doesn't work. And, and, you know, it's, it's not going to make you win in this, in this age. Mm-hmm. We'll unpack this, I think, quite, Quite a bit because, because it's quite key. Mm-hmm. Number six is that leaders continuously learn. Oh, I love that. Um, <laughs> imagine and then they break through obstacles to create the change that other companies must not, um, must contend with. So those are the sort of six rules, um, that, that are laid out in the book. And for, for the rest of the book, really it's about unpacking each at a time. Amazing. So should we start off with rule number one, a personalized consumer experience is key to exponential growth. 100%. The the main idea here is that, believe it or not, opportunities now in the digital age um, are are vast uh, for for companies to can be able to offer personalized customer servicing in one way or the other across the value chain. Um, and you, you were, depending on the industry you're, you're part of, it's, it's important to kind of find, find out essentially how your company can, can deliver on that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's no longer enough to just kind of, you know, dish out a bulk product in the same way uh, across the whole value chain and assume that everybody, you know, is going to be, to be happy with that. It kind of says we have to be super laser focused on the individual, um, and everything they do with our product or mm-hmm. service. Um, and, um, and that, that customer individualized customer experience become the, the key decision driver uh, yeah. for almost everything that we do. Yeah. It's like making who you serve the, the hero of, of what it is that you, you do and making sure that their experience and their journey is at the forefront, um, of what you're creating when serving them. Yes. And, and I mean, the question really is, uh, even as you think about, um, what what your what your company does, you know how do we have sort of the metrics and ways of understanding how that one individual experienced your product last week, mm. right? Um, instead of the, sort of these generalized metrics that that we look we we uh, we like, he says here three main mind shifts must happen. One, this market of one, M equals to one, is the ultimate personalization, um, sort of the foundation for competitive advantage in this new digital um, age. Mm. If we are still talking in broad terms when we're describing our customers, we're in trouble. Okay. That mindset of ma- uh, market of one must be the dominant um, 
mindset within the organization. Yeah, yeah. And it's really interesting. Even now, I was, I was um, doing something, after writing a paper, and, you know, thinking when you start to think of an individual and how they interact with your company or organization or your product, it really does begin to focus a lot of the decisions that you make yeah. um, going forward. Yeah. Most companies are designed across sort of product lines mm-hmm. or or, seg- or segment or, you know, but but have we transformed internally uh, taking into account that each customer is an individual and we can somehow service them differently and there are many digital um, and, and technological advances that can help us do that yeah so mapping the customer journey I like how he says every leader and employee should look for opportunities to directly observe consumers and reflect on why the experience is the way that it is yeah, yeah. and and how, what do most leaders spend their time on reading the generalized over synthesized uh, big spreadsheets and mm. reports and pop point slides and you're like do you even know who your customer is have you like yeah. really kind of met them in the last uh, a week or so in the, one of the second mind shifts here is um is to creating and thinking about like hundred times futures right mm-hmm. uh, in, in this uh, in this in this thing he says some of these like the likes of amazon and facebook and and uh, and google and them they they have the ability to just think not just you know incremental uh, growth. Uh, most leaders are thinking, okay, I'm going to grow 5%. We're going to grow 2%. We're going to uh, grow, you know, 10%. Inflation is at this number. So we're going to grow in line with inflation. Um, and, and to really win in this space, you want to be able to kind of think 10x growth. You want to think, um, 100x growth. And, because you have kind of collapsed the industry boundaries, you can be able to really think holistically about your customer mm. and and find many ways to generate revenue and, and grow with the customer. Really good. Uh, the last one, which I think I, I really enjoy, right, is what he calls, you must identify your price gap, right? And then he says, you know, the, the sort of no matter where you are in sort of, your your value chain right and um, there is a price that uh, there, there is a price that your your customer is currently paying and there there is a price they can pay if and only if your company sort of leverage some advances in technology mm. to lower that price mm. and he calls that the price gap mm. there are there are there are prices we are paying today that we shouldn't be paying uh, and we are paying them because we have no choice. <laughs> because we have no choice, but also because the companies that are saving us haven't thought hard about how they mm. can use technology to lower those uh, those prices. Yeah, yeah. And if you don't have a view of your price gap on a on a regular basis, this is where disruption comes in. Someone notices that why are we paying so much on insurance? Why yeah. are we paying so much on banking fees? Yeah. Why are we paying so much on X? And if if these companies did X, maybe customers can pay less. So if you're not aware of what your price gap is, mm-hmm. there's a good chance that someone is working to, to, uh, to, uh, take advantage of technology and, uh, and underprice you out of business. Mm. That's so that's the that's the first rule. The first rule is about customization, and with that, you want to think about M equals one, which is uh, you you know throw away the segmentation, have a marketing segment of one. You want to think about your price gap. Whatever you're selling today, 
there is a price people are buy are, are paying, but there is a price they could be paying if you tapped into the power of tech technology. Mm, mm. And then the last thing is, forget the incremental thinking, and let's let's think ten x. Okay, and that's just rule number one. <laughs> and rule number two, he talks about algorithms and data being essential weapons. Yeah, and um, y- you know, y- y- so these these are this 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 is often challenging for for most leaders of today, um, because you know we you know we build the businesses based you know using different um, assets and resources mm. and algorithms and data. You know, mm. they sort of been um, periphery, uh, and we selected just bits and pieces that we wanted and he's saying to compete now we need a every company needs to have sort of at its core algorithms and data that sort of helps them make decisions Mm. and no longer in the periphery Mm. yeah that's really good because yeah if you if you want to um really understand and serve your customer well you really have to at scale (laughs) if you're wanting to grow you really have to have the systems and and a way of understanding and looking at the data to be able to serve them well and that's one thing that some people really struggle with is really understanding how data helps uh really um kind of clarify how we serve the end customer yes and and mostly because um the kind of data most com- leaders have been exposed to is just this synthesized, um, you know, like if you go to any company and you say, Hey, um, are you super customer centric? They'll be like, yeah, our NPS score is nine, right? But like the NPS and the sort of some of those customer satisfaction scores are, are just so far removed mm-hmm. from really telling the true story of customer experience. Yeah. Um, so, so it really takes a whole Mindset shift to start to really get real tangible data and facts. And he says these businesses, um, they largely make decisions based on, on facts and not so much on dogma. And, you know, this is how it's always been done. And, and, uh, oftentimes you're like, why aren't we winning in, in this area? Someone will be like, yeah, it's because of one, two, three, four. <laughs> you're like, yeah. Are you sure? Yeah, it's like anecdotal <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> evidence. <laughs> you know, I met that one person yes, and he told me yeah. this thing. But then they, when they say it, they'll say most people yeah. say. That's <laughs> 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 one person. We talked about the importance of having a digital platform, yeah. right? Because that can really help you. So he's saying a digital platform in and of itself is not an enduring competitive advantage, but not having one yeah. is a competitive disadvantage yeah. given everything it can enable the company to do. Absolutely. And the question is, do you, do you, are you building a digital platform at its core mm-hmm. or are you still doing this thing on the periphery? Really? Um, I, I, I'll, looking at the time, maybe we'll, we'll go through very quickly. The third <laughs> one is a company does not compete. Its ecosystem does, right? It's um, a really interesting. Uh, yeah. Interesting one. Yeah, in, in this digital age, it's about creating an ecosystem, uh, because as one company, you're not really able to truly and fully serve, uh, the client, right? Um, and you, one, that's one. Two, you're also not, um, you don't, you are not necessarily going to have all the skills and the capabilities that are required to do so. Mm. So, so a company, as a company today, the, your your competitor will be another ecosystem mm. that's being built potentially against you, mm. um, and as a one individual company against an ecosystem, there's a good chance that you you're not going to uh, to to stand an ecosystem. 
<laughs> yeah, amazing. So we'll do we'll do the fourth one, and then uh, uh, be, because of time, um, the fourth one really is it's about money making is largely about no longer just thinking about earning special, yeah, uh, but thinking about cash. And also understanding that, you know, at different stages, um, you know, uh, you, you might be bending cash largely to drive customer growth and, and, uh, reach, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And at some stages, you know, you might, you might start to generate revenue from that and use that cash to invest in the growth of another S curve of products that you need, uh, that you will be developing to, uh, to serve your customers. He gives a beautiful example of, um, of Amazon and how for many years, you know, the, the sort of the gross margin was, was just seen as super low, but they were building, yeah. uh, to get to the scale that they're at now. Mm. Um, I want to, and the, what's worth noting here is largely, you see companies still making decisions, especially even in the digital space, like they want to launch a platform, they want to do this. They are still measuring whether or not to do that using the the same old metrics like return on investment, they calculated the exact same way, um, IRR and all of these things. And he says one of, and those, 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 those metrics in this digital space sometimes don't work because what we used to consider as capex um in in um what what is capex now is what we will have considered opex in the traditional businesses mm. for instance um you know in you could you, you could spend money marketing to grow the customer base and yeah. that is your asset right yeah. um under normal circumstances we'll take that marketing line and make it an an, an opex now in the digital age it might be seen as a capex. Yeah. Okay. So we'll, we'll maybe fly yeah. through that word very quickly, yeah. but he, he, he explains this thing, uh, very, very well. Um, uh, because of the nature of the, of, of, of the podcast, let's get into like <laughs> rule number five, rule number five and number six. Yeah. So rule number five, people, culture and work design form a social engine that drives innovation and execution personalized for each customer. Ah, and there's a mouthful, eh? It is. It is a long rule. <laughs> so uh, he's essentially saying one of the greatest and perhaps the least recognized competitive advantage of today's big digital giants, the Googles, the uh, the Amazons, uh, the Facebook, or Meta, uh, um, and um, and all these companies that that we we look up to from a sort of just size and scale, or he, which he calls the digital giants, is this this social engine they were they are able to they they're able to create um, over the. Comp- the, the old traditional layers, um, that, that are characteristic of many organizations today. Mm, mm. Yeah, I, I really love that around like having, you know, sort of eliminating the bureaucracy <laughs> by having, you know, the, the, the people, the culture and the way of getting work done really be clear. It brings energy and speed, um, to the organization and innovation. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, He's kind of saying most digital companies, these big ones, they operate with few, uh, as few as three layers, um, of organi- organizational layers from the CEO, right? Mm. And if you think of, if you think of 
any like large company uh, in sort of a traditional sense. You know, you have layers like eight, nine until you can get to to the CEO. So, yeah. so traditional organizations are built around layers yeah. and bureaucracy and and you know like the the, the hierarchy. The hierarchy. Yeah. That's the right word. Yeah. Um, but if you're really going to win in this digital age, you want to think teams mm. and social engines rather than. Rather than the hierarchy who reports to who and who reports to the other one and, yes. and all of those and, and all of those elements. I love how he says, you know, our members focus on the one thing their team is expected to deliver and bre- breaking work into bite-sized missions and yeah. giving standalone teams Standalone teams, the autonomy yeah. to figure out the how leads to faster, better decision making. Absolutely. So, and, and that's the, that's the, that's the idea of, uh, you know, creating teams, right? Mm. But no, most people like here that are like, Oh yeah, sure. We're going to create teams. What do they do? They form committees, right? yes. like subcommittees and they're like, and then these committees, they've got many flaws, right? One is some are too big. Mm. <laughs> like you got this subcommittee that's going to kind of now help us fix this thing, but it's got 30, 40 people mm. because no one wants to be left out of yeah. a, of subcommittee. Of a conversation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So because they're too big, you, you're not able to make Tough decisions, because mm. tough decisions, in, um, you know, have have an element of trade-offs. Mm. With thirty people trying to decide on one thing, um, trade-offs uh, they get pushed to the to the side. Mm. The second thing is, uh, most of those people are they still have what they call the day job, and they are measured on the day job. Yeah. This committee focus group stuff is the side show. So you know, people will kind of say, you know what, I'm I'm measured on this. I'm paid on the the day to day stuff. Um, so I'm gonna go attend the, the the committee while I'm while I'm working on something else on the side. So, yeah. so, so which is key to say this. This has to be a core design element. Your teams can't be busy. Um, uh, what's the word? Your teams can't be like a day-to-day job, yeah. hierarchical structure on the side. And then on the fringe, you start to introduce sort of this teamwork uh, approach because yeah. it, it, it hardly ever works. Yeah. And I like when it comes to the people that he writes how, you know, most of these digital companies um, recognize that structure only goes so far. And it's yeah. really about the quality of the people. Yeah. So he talks about how the trend is that they select new hires and team members with as much attention to values and behavior as yeah. to their talent and skills. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, traditional organizations, they obsess. About ta- skill and talent. Uh, the, the, the traditional ones, they yes. obsess on the structures yes. and like hierarchy. And then they will have consultants draw all the little blockies. By the time they finish drawing <laughs> the blockies, they, the guy, the one guy who was there the leaves, right? <laughs> organograms. So in, in traditional businesses, the obsession is, um, is structure and hierarchy mm. and all of these things. In the digital businesses, the obsession is the quality of the individual mm. and how they behave, as, yes. as, as you noted. Um, you, you know, we have, we have at our, at our company, um, a semi structure, but we have what we call sort of hierarchy on demand, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, because we, we also don't want to go this traditional, you know, this normal, tra- um, Normal consulting firms will have a business analyst and a, and a consultant and a manager and the senior manager and the partner and the part, and then you got like eight different layers. Um, so, and this one will send a document to that one. That one sends a document to that one, and then it goes and, and it goes. And we have found this approach of sort of hierarchy and demand, where you know if you're an, if you're 
an expert in this area you can lead that yeah. that project um uh, for instance and people who are seen as seniors um or you know have been with the company longer you know for that project they're working for you if it were mm. and versa versa and then we finish that piece and someone else is a leader of that yeah. and and there isn't these long you must report to this one and that report to that one that report to that yeah. one um that's just not going to work in the new digital age as Ram Sharan says. Yeah. So then should we speed into role number six, which uh, is that leaders... Uh, <laughs> did you say one more thing? Like this, because what's key with this thing is that the team leaders um, need to at least the quality of the leaders who are leading these teams um, adhere to sort of, you know, some principles. Mm. One of which is smalt- simultaneous dialogue. Mm. And that is everyone hears the same thing at the same time. Really right. Good. Really good. Traditional organizations, CEO tells the exco, exco yes. tells the menko, menko mm. tells the other co, and yeah. then, <laughs> <laughs> and then finally it gets to be, and when it does that, mm. right, that message is diluted, is some elements are emphasized, some are de-emphasized, yeah. and if you really stop and say, what is the real message, you, yeah. you find that all of it is is lost through the process. Yeah. That's one. Try, trying to find a, a, a an approach. Of having simultaneous dialogue. Mm. Second one is the idea of servant leadership, which we really love, mm. um, uh, which is you know really kind of helping your team members achieve a higher purpose, yeah. um, and 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 setting that up and literally lifting that for the team. And the third one is doing your utmost best as as a leader of a team to foster. Uh, teams collective learning mm. um, You know He cites a company they Fidelity They have this They believe in learning uh, To a point where They dedicate a day a week Which is like a day of learning wow. Like every Tuesday You are free to learn wow. Right Like <laughs> You yeah. know You're literally paid To just go and learn mm. The whole day You know like it's it's traditional organization. How does learning happen? Okay, we identify Nobile as a hypo, so we're gonna kind of you know she will she's the only one that will get access to that bursary and do all of these things. Yeah. But here is a company fundamentally saying that um, our people needs to be ahead. The quality of our people yeah. is that important, yeah. and 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 uh, and learning is key. So we're gonna like block out a day yeah. for learning every week, That's every really Tuesday. Good. Really exciting. <laughs> and then the last one is like, you know, you want to fire up your team with imagination. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's go to, uh, to the sixth one. You, you wanted us to get to the sixth rule because of time. <laughs> yeah. Well, rule number six, that leaders continuously learn, imagine and break through obstacles to create the change that other companies must contend with. Yeah. And uh, you know, this is, this was, this was my favorite by far, my favorite <laughs> chapter by far. Um, he, he, you know, he says the most significant difference, um, uh, in sort of what he calls uh, digital leaders and the traditional legacy ones, um, is, has to do with three elements. One is cognition, two is skill, mm. and three is psychological orientation, mm. right? Um, 
and 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 the cognition and the skill you know it's it's you know that comes through a lot of learning and really const- constantly challenging the status quo and you know just absorbing as much uh, information as possible mm-hmm. and what was work what was working last year and no longer works this year you yeah. know they 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 they're able to to stop it and and kind of learn what needs to um to be learned to to grow the organization um and um and and having Having this, this sort of idea of, of sort of leveraging knowledge and insight and facts to sort of be the driving engine for one's leadership. That will require a lot of learning in, on the side of a leader. Yeah. Because I think one of the things sometimes when you're uh, sort of a, uh, a young person with maybe less experience coming up in a, in a, in a company is someone might say, well, I, you know, this, you might compare yourself to someone who says they have 30 years experience doing yeah. something. Yeah. And one of the things someone once pointed out to me is like, well, the good thing about it, if you can see if a leader is uh, innovative and open to innovation is if they say they have 30, 30 years experience and you go, do you have the experience of doing the same thing 30 times <laughs> versus like 30 years of change and 30 years of adapting as well. Um, and I like the idea that he brings in of like, so that sometimes that means like sometimes you have to take a risk on a, on a younger person yeah. with the expertise. Um, Without the experience, yeah. But with but with uh, expertise in the in the digital world or the world that it is that you're trying to to grow in. Yes, and um, I mean one of the examples he he gives with that was uh, was Tim Cook, right? Um, mm. And how Steve Jobs took um, took advan took um, uh, what's this took a risk risk on 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 uh, on Tim Cook. Um, and uh, look, look at what 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 Tim Cook has has uh, been able to achieve. Um, you know, maybe to just close. Um, I, I just remembered one note because this book is is just loaded. I just remembered <laughs> one note back on the on the ecosystem piece around how if you think of Apple, for instance, now that we're talking about Tim Cook, you know, they they created an ecosystem around music and and um, and and you know they they won them. Um, and then they also then sort of created an ecosystem around, you know, the iPhone and the app developers, et cetera, et cetera. Can you guess what their sort of the next biggest thing and potential, according to Tim Cook, their biggest ecosystem or biggest impact in the world they are suggesting will be? Give a guess. It doesn't oh, have to be super I educated. No, I want to say. I don't know. Okay. So, <laughs> so Tim Cook was interviewed by Jim Cramer on CNBC as Mad Money. And, and, and here's what he says. He says, if you zoom out into the future and you look back and you ask the question, what was Apple's greatest contribution to mankind? Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you say? Because uh, he's got the answer here, which I don't think, uh, I, I don't wonder think what all this, eh? You don't think I'd get it right? <laughs> oh, and, or maybe our leaders might, our listeners yeah. might be able to guess, but, um, he's got an answer to that. He says, it will be health. I was going to say that. Oh, good. <laughs> I was going to say that because I read something that you said where you said like health is the bit, be- yeah, the next thing. Okay. Yeah. yeah go ahead. So, but I was so, just scared to say it. <laughs> uh, so, um, and if you think about what they're doing, right, they're building an ecosystem around the smartwatch and yes. all the, the, the integrations and et cetera, et cetera. Um, they, they, they're not winning on just selling a product. Yes. They're winning through a health ecosystem. Um, and, and if you lead an organization today, the question is what ecosystem 
are you building yeah. to to win? Um, if you just go out there and say, "Oh, Apple has got a, 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 a Apple has got an Apple Watch. I'm yes. gonna go make one that's faster or that's 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 this and that," you're not competing with Apple. Apple yes. is in the business of creating a health. Ecosystem. That's really good, and that's why that, that's why the the rule is to say uh, a company doesn't compete, but its ecosystem does. Yes, right. He actually tweeted the other day. That's what I was going to say, but I was too scared to. He says our health is affected by the many small actions we take every day. We want to empower you with actionable steps you can take to improve your well-being. Ah, that's says, that's yeah. what that's what uh, the next phase of Apple that's is. That's really right? interesting. Um, it's a, and I hope that kind of challenges. I hope that challenges our leaders to just think differently about sort of the products, the services, and their strategy in order to win in this digital age. Uh, we have to think differently. Amazing. And that's, and if, if, you know, and as I say, we're not in the sort of a, a book selling, uh, show, <laughs> right? But, but, uh, if there's one book you want to have as a leader is Rethinking Competitive Advantage by Ram Sharam. And I hope you go pick up a copy of the book and just go through it slowly. The rules are heavy. There's just so much that, uh, it's not possible to cover. Like I said, you know, we we'll probably need like, Six episode, one episode per rule. Four rule for each rule. So we encourage you to go pick up uh, the book, but until then, go out there and super lead. Cliffcentral.com